At the half, the score is tied. You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, I'm your host, Mark Hulkin, and I want to thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every day. Hey, fight on. Whether you're watching on YouTube or wherever you'd like to download your podcast, we are free, and I appreciate your support. So if you haven't done so yet, it's real easy to become a subscriber. See that subscriber button? If you're watching on YouTube, click it. If you like the episode, hit that thumbs up. And so you don't miss any one of our five episodes, because I come at you five times a week, hit that notification bell. And to all of you who have become subscribers, again, Thank you so very, very, very much. I've mentioned it. Uh, USC has completed uh, eight practice sessions, and the defense has been holding its own. When the team completed uh, practice this past Saturday, Riley said he was cautiously optimistic about the defense's progress uh, so far at the halfway point. Remember, they get 15 practice sessions. And by his estimations, uh, this is the way he's he's calculated it, the way he's keeping score. The offense has had one dominant day. Uh, the defense has had the other dominant day. And the other six days, I, they pretty much split the difference. Um, so according to Riley, quote, and I think I've given you this one, but just to keep thing, put, to put things into context and uh, – Keep the flow of the show going. Lincoln Riley said, we're eight practices in. I would say both sides have had one day where they were pretty dominant. The other six have been back and forth. So we just got through one day that was a half practice and a half scrimmage. And it went in phases. Defense started out strong, and then the offense was pretty good in the middle. And then the defense won the two-minute drill at the end. I want to emphasize, the defense won the two-minute drill at the end. So underline that uh, of practice. And so it's it's been like that. And continue to underline. It feels like we're a little bit stronger, end quote. So just like I, you know, offered, gave Lincoln Riley the benefit of the doubt uh, with his choice, his decision to reschedule Thursday's postponed or rescheduled practice. Um, well, also, I'm going to give him the, the same benefit of the doubt that the defense is coming along um, and they're a little bit stronger uh, until we get to see him on April 15th, the spring game. Look, I don't anticipate USC being in too many games this year where the defense is going to have to come up big in the last two minutes to win a game. Uh, number one, I don't want the defense to be in that position. And secondly, uh, with this offense USC has in 2023, the defense should be in that position. And everything Riley said, um, the underline, the bottom line is this, that underlying point that I, that I kept highlighting. At this point of spring camp, the halfway point, if the defense is just, and I'm finger quoting, a little bit stronger than last year's defense at this point, 
of spring camp, then this team is already heading in the right direction. Uh, you know, perhaps by the end of spring camp, the defense will be upgraded to, and I'm using finger quotes again, much better. Right now, they're they're a little better. They're a little stronger. So let's upgrade them by the end of spring camp to much stronger. And if he if Lincoln Riley comes at me or comes at us with those lyrics, he starts singing that song. That's going to be music to my ears. Should be music to everyone's ears. But here's something else. When I hear a player say the following, um, there's usually something else going on by the time I'm done reading the tea leaves. Quote, the defensive line is, they're just coming in hungry to work. They're hungry to prove themselves. They're hungry to be one of the best out there. It's definitely raising our game as an offensive line. This is Justin Dieter speaking. And I'm underlining his next, uh, his next, uh, the next part of his quote. We had to come out and be physical because the practice before we got called out. So that's me um, reading the tea leaves right there. When Justin says something, when any player, I'm not just Justin specific, uh, says we got called out, does he mean the coaches? Does he mean his his peers on the offensive line, on offense? You're talking about the guys on defense. He said, he continued, we weren't as physical as them, and they were whipping our butt uh, the day before, so we got called out. It was back and forth all day at the goal line. It was awesome. Awesome experience. That's elite practice right there. Uh, stuff that great teams do. So I checked in with a source. Uh, one of the practices before the D-line was, as Justin put it, whooping the O-line's butt. And I guess they were doing... A, WrestleMania just happened. Uh, they were doing that you-can't-see-me-John-Cena hand gesture. Or maybe the better way to put this, I know that's a big thing right now with the uh, the women's basketball championship. But it's not like the defense was doing this to the offense, not literally. But, and I, I touched on this on a previous episode, but I'll bring it back to the forefront. When you're using your teammate's head, uh, to help yourself back up to your feet. Uh, that's the ultimate you can't see me uh, when you're shoving your your teammate's face in the dirt. They can't see you, literally. Uh, so the defense and the D-line uh, in general, those guys, they're playing with an attitude um, is what I'm being told privately. And I've, I've mentioned this before, um, before this weekend's practice, that Lincoln Riley gave us uh, some feedback on. Uh, now I, we've got some player confirmation. That stuff was going on. So as far as the defense is concerned, last year USC finished in the country, number 106, 106 in the country in total defense, giving up four, 424 yards per game, 423.9 to be precise. They were 80th in the country in rushing defense, giving up 160 yards. 159.8. And as far as their passing defense, they're 112th, allowing 264 yards per game. That doesn't really seem like a lot off, you know, through the air, considering the way the game has changed. Uh, 
So based on those numbers, they better be playing with an attitude this spring. Um, you know, maybe Riley gave the team a day off to save his offense. I'm kidding. Let's have some fun around here. Okay. It's a fun show. Not everything has to be serious. I mean, it's crazy when you think about this. Again, USC was so good at protecting the ball on offense in 2022. And taking the ball away, they were just as proficient. But at the end of the year, when you look up, there were still three losses. They had 11 wins, but they, they still had three losses. So what are acceptable statistical improvements? I went over the numbers. So if the rushing defense can drop down from 100, giving up 160 yards per game to 125, is that would that be acceptable? I mean, that's how many missed tackles per game that they're not giving up anymore. I'm kidding. Let's have some fun. You'll understand where I'm going with this here in a second. Uh, what about the pass defense? All those, all of those interceptions and and those Tuli 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 sacks. Well, Tuli's gone, um, but the roster is deeper. Up, especially up front and the secondary has loads of talent so if they if the pass defense can improve from 264 yards per game down to 230 again in today's offensive era those numbers sound pretty damn good i mean if you're expecting the 2008 defense to come strutting down that ramp into the, you know, out the tunnel, into the into the stadium. It ain't happening. But, you know, since we're on the subject of, you know, bad dudes who played defense for USC in 2008, those were some bad dudes. If USC was a professional wrestler, who should they try and emulate? We'll talk about that in the next segment. Look. The built March Madness bracket, it's over. UConn beat San Diego State. They won the NCAA National Championship. So I don't know if you had your favorite bar or puff. Mine was the double chocolate bar and the double chocolate puff. So uh, you can still go to your builtmarchmadness.com. You can still vote for your favorite. And if you're still a USC fan, you better be if you're watching Locked on USC, then you'll be voting for that bar or puff too. Double chocolate. Support your team, support your bar or puff. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. Not only that, one lucky Locked On fan is going to win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars or puffs delivered monthly straight to your front door. So you got to try Built. Built, they are really, they're, they're really good protein bars. Uh, I was at Walmart. They were sold out. I went to the pharmacy. I couldn't find them. Seriously, they're amazing. Um, they're, they're good for you. You won't even know they're good for you. And I like them so much because, again, they're made with 100% real chocolate. So head on over to the builtmarchmadness.com right now. You can still vote for your favorite bar or puff. You can pick up a box while you're over there. And you can vote. Well, March is over, so you can't vote every day. 
but hop on in, support your pick. All right. Boo! You suck. I hate you. I hope you die. Not really. Not talking to you, the listeners. But can you smell what Lincoln Riley is cooking? All right. Enough. Um, for those of you who remember Graham Harrell as USC's offensive coordinator, you survived that match. You lived. Um, I would love to have had some fun with Graham Harrell on this. He was a big wrestling fan. But I wasn't a fan of him or his offense. So moving on, uh, most of us, like Graham Harrell, we grew up watching wrestling. We tuned in every now and then. Uh, most of us also knew that it was choreographed. It was fake. It wasn't real. Look, the athletes are real. What they put themselves through is real. It's re very physical. It's real. But as far as who is going to win and lose, that was predetermined. So, um, spoiler alert. <laughs> Look, I stopped watching a while ago. Um, but give me a Vince McMahon arrogance strut any day and watch me smile. I mean, I love arrogance. So, if you were a wrestling fan, who did you root for? Root for? Were you... You were were you the good guy fan or were you the were you rooting for the heel the bad guy? Were you I mean other were you a Hulk Hogan guy and Andre the Giant Stone Cold Steve Austin? Um, who else was out there that were bad guys? I don't know. Bad guy was Bret Hart a bad guy? I like Bret Hart. Um, I was a when it came to good guys, I was a huge Jimmy Snuka fan. Superfly, headbutt from the top rope. Dude was badass. And Hulk Hogan, I was sort of a Hulk Hogan fan. I mean, look, when he body slammed Andre the Giant, I went out and I bought some vitamins. But I was also a bigger Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I was a bigger Generation X fan. That version of Hulk Hogan. Kevin Nash. Razor Ramon. Um... But, and that's how I, look, I'm going to bring it right into USC football right now. That's how I want USC to enter each stadium. Like they're the heels. With fans just yelling, screaming everything that they can concede. Throwing their trash at them. I want that experience for USC. Because when you're hated, that means you're good. And what's a better way to leave the Pac-12 than to win the conference championship belt and then take it with you on your way out the door and know that uh, you will forever be known as the last Pac-12 champion. You'll reign forever. Um, uh, look, if all they have is 10 teams, they can't call themselves the Pac-12 anymore, right? <coughs> Excuse me. So cheering for the good guy to win in real life that's one thing. But, you know, college football, this is entertainment. And when USC is at home, they're the good guys, of course. But as I said, there is no greater feeling in the sports world than going into someone else's home, doing what you want, when you want, as long as you want, 
And the people who own that home, that house, they can't do anything to stop you. Unless you want to stop. USC should be known as the pretty boys on offense. Uh, there you go. Here's a perfect heel. Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Pretty boy. Shawn Michaels. Bad dude. Looked good. Um, and then be those badasses from the alley on defense. Be the Generation X. Be those dudes. Ride a tank into the into an arena or whatever. Um, so I look, I already know what to what to anticipate when USC hits the road in the Pac-12 this year. They're gonna they're gonna be looked at as as the bad guy. I'm fine with it. But what about next year when they get to the big conference? How are those fans gonna react? Are they gonna get the uh Hey, welcome home, hug, and, and, I don't know, golf clap cheer type of thing, at least initially. Or is it going to be business as usual? Uh, I think it's going to be business as usual. Every man for himself, survival of the fittest. But what about USC fans? Are you, are you going to become a conference rah-rah all of a sudden and get that, kind of that SEC Hive mentality, you know how they do that SEC clap clap chant, no matter if who wins or loses, or is it still going to be USC and only USC? I mean, look, let's be pragmatic about this. You're already getting the same slice of the cash pie. That's why you're. That's why USC got divorced themselves from the Pac-12 and and is getting married to the big conference. For superficial reasons. They wanted the money. The big is a better sugar daddy. So why change perspectives now, USC fan? I've never understood the whole, when the conference is stronger theory. Um, look, when USC is strong, it just doesn't matter how strong the conference is. USC can carry her own water. Um, then again, you know, I'm going to keep an open mind here from this angle only, unless somebody wants to give me a different perspective to look at this from, I highly doubt that the USC's new family members, the big conference, I doubt that they would have sat back and allowed the NCA to pick apart USC's football program, the athletic program, the way the PAC 12 sat back and allowed it to happen. Just saying. So maybe I'll, you know, show a little conference pride if, uh, you know, if Purdue uh, wins the lacrosse national championship. I don't think USC has a men's uh, lacrosse team. I don't know if Purdue does for that matter. I know USC has a women's lacrosse team. So again, maybe from that conference pride perspective, yeah, I'll jump on board. But when it comes to football, basketball, when it comes to the uh, the money makers, no. Every man, every person for themselves. Survival of the fittest. That's how I look at it. So Sean Nua, Coach Sean Nua, defensive line coach, 
he was on the uh, Trojans Live radio show uh, Monday night. And, you know, he was asked about everything that's going on, the new transfers and what they bring. And and, uh, one of the questions he was asked, you know, he, he started to talk about was how spring ball is one of his favorite times because it allows him, allows the team in general, to, to try new things out. So one of the new things they're trying out this spring, we've talked about it on the show, is Corey Foreman is now part of Sean Nua's room. Finger quotes came out for those of you who are listening and not watching. Um, and he was asked, uh, I, I think it was Max Brown, who was uh, co-hosting with Keely Yor, uh, you know, why um, why Corey Foreman, what, what, what precipitated the shift from rush end to defensive end, defensive line? And Coach Newell said is, you know, basically uh, he's just more comfortable with his hands in the dirt. And I, I, I've mentioned that before as well. That was Corey's natural position in high school. Defensive end, hand in the dirt, go get the quarterback. Use your athleticism um, from that three-point stance. But he was all, Coach Newell was also asked, is there, you know, what is the difference between defensive end, um, well, let me back up here. He, he was also, he was asked what, you know, what's the first thing that you have to start working on with Corey as a defensive lineman with his hand on the dirt? And he said the first thing was to get his mindset right. Not a big difference, but there's a, there's, there's some subtle, subtle nuance differences that, uh, that Coach New is working on with, with Corey to make sure that he's in the right mind, uh, the right mindset to play defensive end coming over from rush end. And he, he was also asked, you know, is there a difference between rush end and defensive end in, in, in this scheme that, that Alex Grinch runs? And essentially he knew said it comes down to your ability to cut co- in coverage. That's the difference. So if you're a rush end, you you probably have some strength in dropping back into pass coverage. Well, we saw Corey Foreman do that against UCLA. There's other things as well that are involved. Uh, Nua tried to keep the differences subtle. He didn't really want to go too much in depth with that question because he really you know he didn't want to give give away too much of the X's and O's. The coaches who are game planning for USC, they're stuck to know what USC is doing. But you know, Coach New is not going to come on the radio or and, and try and break it down uh, in layman's terms. This is what we're doing. It's not going to happen. Plus, he doesn't have a whole lot of time in, the, in that radio segment. Um, so <clears throat> he was also asked. Uh, you know, how do you coach a five-star um, who is you know, expected to make an immediate impact? Because uh, from when you when you arrive at USC day one, when you're a five-star, and this is why you know you got to really take those recruiting rankings with a grain of salt. Um, 
Coach Newell said, you, you just have to, you have to tell them the truth. You have to be honest with them from day one. If they have a bad day, just because they're a five-star, tell them you had a bad day. You need to improve that, you know, there's, it doesn't matter five-star, four-star, one-star. There's a certain standard to be elite. This is what Sean was expressing. So you have to meet that standard regardless of your recruiting ranking. Sean Newell was one of the guests. One, the, another guest, sticking with the defensive line, uh, was Anthony Lucas, the transfer from Texas A&M. As I mentioned, Newell, he, he, he spoke briefly about Lucas and, and Sullivan and, and Jamil Muhammad. Uh, not a lot of time spent. But Anthony Lucas can speak for himself because he was on the show as well. One thing is very clear. Um, Anthony Lucas is a talent um but he's he's still learning the nuances of the game he he's not a he's not a true freshman anymore he's not a redshirt freshman he's he's a true sophomore he played what six seven games before uh eight, he had about eight games worth of experience before uh he had uh i guess he was sat down for the rest of the year and it's one of the reasons why he's at USC. Running a, run a fresh break, fresh start. Um, but so keep in mind, even though he's got some experience, he played as a freshman, he's now, he's learning a new system. And so he's still young. So take all that into consideration when you're criticizing or critiquing his game uh, later this year in the fall. But also remember, and keep in mind, uh, Lucas is pretty confident. He's, he's not a big talker, uh, but he's he knows what he's capable of doing, um, especially doing things for for a guy his size. He was talking about that a little bit on the show, um, who he tries to model his game after, and it was it was kind of a a potpourri of players. You know, he's a name. You know, defensive ends, defensive tackles, linebackers. Um, but he, he was trying to say, look, guys my size, I can do those things that those players can do. Okay, great. You can talk the talk. I'll see you walk the walk. So I guess what I'm saying is um, surprise me later this year and drop into coverage and grab an interception. Do a, Give me a big cat Give me one of those. Um, by the way, did you know that uh, when he was being recruited out of high school, USC didn't make his top five? And that's basically because he didn't know who USC's head coach was going to be. At the time, Dante Williams was the interim head coach. And everybody pretty much knew Dante wasn't going to get the job. However, UCLA and Notre Dame were in his final five. Um, so it's, a, I don't know, it's, it's kind of, uh, ironic in a way that he ended up at USC in the long run. One of the reasons why he chose USC when he transferred to USC was, uh, and he was kind of half joking about it. It was part of the negotiations. They guaranteed him a, a single digit Jersey. Uh, and he likes the number six, by the way, 
but he really didn't have that big of a choice to choose from because there weren't too many single digits available. So for some reason, uh, he doesn't like, and some defensive linemen, they don't like those double numbers because they feel it makes them look slow. Uh, I guess that's the meme. Sean Cody, who wasn't on uh, on the show, he's usually one of the hosts, uh, they were kind of dogging him because he wasn't there for having to wear a tight end number. Uh, they said he wore number 80, but he actually wore number 84. Both of them are actually wide receiver tight end numbers. So um, Sean Cody, don't forget, he was going to be a, he was going to be a domer out of high school. That's right. He was going to Notre Dame until Pete Carroll and Ed Ogeron got a hold of his dad. And they they worked it, they worked it, they recruited, they recruited, and they flipped pops. The rest is history. So there you go. You know what else is history? The NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament Championship. Congrats to the Pac-12. You almost won an NCAA championship. Almost. UConn took down San Diego State in Houston, 76 to 59. You were close, Pac-12. So I know you guys have been courting them, or at least that's been speculated. I wonder, do they still want them now? I mean, they didn't win anything. It's just San Diego State. I'm kidding. Let's have some fun. But I also like being that USC heel. Again, having some fun here. We're at the end of the show. So we'll be back with another episode. Locked on USC comes at you five times a week. But again, thank you for making Locked on USC your first listen today. For your second podcast listen, go check out our brand new podcast, Locked on College Basketball. They're going to be talking about the game. Experts, Isaac Shade, Andy Patton. They're going to bring you everything you know on and off the court. Plus, you'll get to hear from other big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Locked on College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. There it is. We're in. We're done. I'll be back again when you're done watching, listening. Head on over to WeRSC.com. I'm telling you, there's a lot of recruiting information going on over there right now. Scott Schrader is kind of having an explosion. He's ranting. Go check it out. So, until the next episode of Locked on USC, everyone, you know what to do.